Do you ever watch Christmas commercials and think, whose family is this? I mean, everyone's peaceful and smiling and enjoying themselves. No one is secretly fighting in the kitchen or bringing up past hurts and resentments. No one is having to rush off to another family event that was scheduled at the same time or complaining that they don't get enough time to see each other. There's no tension, no passive aggressive comments, no hurry or stress or worry. I know they're actors, but I'd really like to be in that family. And we know they're not real, but dang it if they don't get us every time. These commercials and the holiday movies, they touch on a deep longing and need that's within all of us, a longing for peace. It's like we have nostalgia for something. If we're honest, we've never really experienced. If you could go back to the Christmas of your childhood or, or one you romanticize as being perfect, you'd see that it too wasn't perfect. It also didn't feel peaceful at the time. And we know that, but we still feel it. Christmas should be a time of peace. And by peace, we mean quiet. Peace means no conflict or tension, no schedule to keep or pressure put on us by others. I mean, just think about the Christmas songs we sing every year. Silent Night? Silent? The woman just had a baby in a filthy, germ-infested barn. I know Away in a Manger claims that when the baby awakes, the little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. And that's beautiful for Christmas cards, which, by the way, I guess we're doing Christmas cards again. Just another thing to add to my list of stuff to busy myself with during the holidays. Great. But no matter how much we want to picture the birth of Jesus as peaceful and quiet without any crying, it just doesn't line up. A teenager gave birth on the ground in a stable with a goat as a doula and no epidural? Someone was crying, I promise you. But still, the angels sang on the night of Jesus' birth, peace on earth and goodwill to men. Inherent to the story of Christmas, the story of Jesus, is the story of peace coming to earth. But it's not a peace and quiet kind of peace. It's much better than that. And throughout this series, that's what we're talking about. How all of us have these deep longings that are never satisfied within us because we are nostalgic for a home we've never lived in. Because you and I weren't made for a place to be home, but for a person to be our home. Jesus is our home. He is the one who we were made to live with and find our peace and rest in. He's the only one who can satisfy the deepest longings of our souls. And at Christmas time, home came to us. Heaven came to earth. And nothing has ever been the same since. Because here at Community Christian, even though we know that life is difficult, complicated, and tiring at times, Jesus offers us a life of peace and rest in Him. And no matter who you are or what you believe about Jesus, I believe this life is possible for you. Because no matter what you think about God, He can't stop thinking about you. And we want to help you find the peaceful life God has in store for you. Hi, my name is Kelly, and welcome to Community Christian Anywhere.
Every December, Christians around the world begin celebrating the birth of Jesus weeks before Christmas during a season called Advent. During Advent, we don't just celebrate Jesus coming as a baby 2,000 years ago, but we look forward in anticipation to when he will come again and God will make his home with us forever in a new heaven and a new earth, a place where all things will be made right, all fighting and wars will cease, all of the conflict and tension and brokenness we wrestle with in this life will be done away with. And in the meantime, here we are. But the invitation of Jesus is not to just wait for a beautiful afterlife. It's an invitation to experience the life of heaven right here and now. It's what Jesus would call eternal life. In every Advent season, we talk about the peace that is available in Jesus. Hundreds of years before Jesus' birth, there were prophets in ancient Israel that predicted the birth of a future king and chosen leader who would bring about the peace of God for all people. One famous prophecy about Jesus is often read at Christmas time, and it says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Jesus is the Prince of Peace who will bring about the peace of God for all people. And at his birth, the angels proclaimed, peace on earth as good news for all people. But it's been 2,000 years, and I think the logical question is, so where's all that peace? I mean, look at our country, look at our world, political divisions, uprisings, injustice and inequality, wars and hunger and genocide. It doesn't sound like peace. And we don't even have to look that far. I mean, every Christmas brings up the lack of peace in our lives. Some of us are dreading a family get-together where we're going to have to see that person that brings up anxiety or anger. Maybe you're even considering just not showing up at all. Or maybe it's causing fights with your spouse about whether you should go or whether you don't. Maybe it brings up tension with your parents if you don't show up and that causes all kinds of tension within you. Then the busyness and hectic nature of the season just makes you want it all to get over with as quickly as possible, or you want to enjoy the holidays, but your family doesn't look like you thought it would, and every holiday is just a reminder of that disappointment. Maybe this is your first Christmas divorced, or after the loss of a loved one, or it's your first Christmas as an empty nester, or it's your first Christmas sober, and you're not sure how it's going to go. And all that causes this inner turmoil for you. And, and, and you may even believe in Jesus, but you don't feel his peace this year. So maybe you're wondering, is that just some like future thing? Like, do I just have to wait until Jesus comes back and makes everything right and perfect to experience peace? Because my life isn't peaceful. So maybe the problem is with me. Maybe I don't have enough faith, or, or maybe my life is too messy, or my family's too broken to experience the peace that Jesus promises. I want you to hear me say, peace is possible for you. More than that, it's available to you. But the peace of God is not the public's commercial kind of peace and quiet we've all been promised. The peace of God is a peace that exists in the midst of chaos and conflict and hurt and disappointment. The peace of God is present even when the person who has hurt you or offends you never apologizes for their behavior. The peace of God is present even when your Christmas isn't the way you pictured it. 
The peace of God is present even when life is messy and broken. I want you to hear these words of Jesus that he spoke to his disciples on the night before he was killed. He said to them, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Now I wanna be clear, Jesus didn't say, you can have peace because one day I'm gonna make everything right and beautiful and perfect after you die and then I return. He didn't say, you can have peace because if you follow me and have enough faith, life will go just as you planned. In fact, just a little later in this conversation, he tells them that after his death and resurrection, his followers will be kicked out of the synagogues and even their families. They will be beaten and some people even kill them and rejoice in what they've done. And he ends that by saying, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. This world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. The peace Jesus gives is not a trouble-free kind of peace. It's not peace and quiet. It's not the kind of peace promised to us by the world because the only peace the world can give us is a peace that exists when your life goes just as you planned and your kids behave just like you want and no one's ever mad at you and there's never any conflict or tension or stress in your life. I mean, that sounds nice, but let's be honest. That kind of peace, it's just a fantasy. Anyone would be happy and peaceful with that life, but that life doesn't exist. So Jesus is only interested in reality. He is interested in giving us a peace that actually works for the lives that we live. Because lives in this world are not quiet and perfect and neat, and they never have been, not even on the first Christmas. The account of the Christmas story that most of us read every year begins with an interesting detail. An ancient historian named Luke wrote it like this. In those days, a decree was issued by Augustus Caesar. A census was to be taken of the whole world. This was the first census before the one when Quirinius was governor of Syria. So everyone set off to be registered, each to their own town. Here's what's interesting about this detail. It's rooted in history. It's not declaring itself as a fable or a fairy tale. It's not once upon a time. It's rooted in the reign of a Roman emperor, Augustus Caesar, and his governor, Quirinius. Luke wants us to know this story I'm about to tell you can be trusted. It's reliable history. But also, Luke is making a political statement about two kinds of kingdoms. There's the kingdom of Augustus Caesar, who was the adopted son of Julius Caesar. And he was referred to as the son of God and the savior of the world, who brought peace and good news to all people. Now, of course, this peace and good news came through the Roman army conquering your city or country through extreme brutality and violence. In fact, Luke begins his narrative about the birth of Jesus by explaining that Augustus Caesar, this so-called son of God and savior of the world, who brought peace to the world through the conquest of the Roman army, issued a decree that there should be a census taken of the entire world, which is why Mary and Joseph, the parents of the true son of God, had to travel under difficult circumstances to Bethlehem to be taxed. And before you think of the census process as some tedious, bureaucratic, mostly paperwork process, an ancient Roman scholar writing within a couple hundred years of Jesus' birth described the brutality of the census process like this. The census takers appeared everywhere and produced a tumult wherever they went. The marketplaces were filled with the collected families. Everywhere was heard the screaming of those who were being interrogated with torture and beatings. 
Sons were forced to testify against their fathers and wives against their husbands. When all other means had been exhausted, the victims were tortured until they gave evidence against themselves. And when pain had at last conquered, taxable property that did not exist was registered. Neither age nor illness won exemption. The ill and the infirm were dragged before the examiners. The marketplaces rang with lamentations. We don't know if this was the kind of silent night that Mary and Joseph experienced on the first Christmas, but if this was the reputation of a Roman census, imagine the terror and dread that they must have experienced giving birth in a filthy stable. I bet they did not go to sleep that night in heavenly peace. But this is the peace of Caesar's kingdom. The peace of Rome gives you better roads and infrastructure and more stability, less infighting between the tribes in a given region. But at what cost? How does this peace come about? By war and brutality and violence? Through policing by the Roman army? Taxation that leaves you in poverty and hunger? And let's be honest, the only people experiencing any kind of peace and quiet are those in power in Rome. The peace of Caesar is only peace for Caesar. The good news of Rome is only good news for the powerful. But on the night of Jesus' birth, the angels proclaim, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. All people can find joy. Peace is available to all people. But Jesus said, He doesn't give peace like the world does. It's not a silent night, peace and quiet kind of peace. It's the kind of peace that can exist in the midst of a dirty stable with the cries and pains of childbirth and the fear and dread of the brutality of Rome. It's the kind of peace that can exist when Mary and Joseph must flee their home and take their baby boy to live as refugees and immigrants in Egypt because another powerful king wants him dead. So he commits an act of genocide on every baby boy in the country. One writer of Jesus' life uses an ancient lament of the people of Israel to describe, a voice is heard in Ramah weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. The peace of Jesus can even exist in the midst of great suffering and grief because the peace of Jesus, the peace his kingdom brings, are not like the kingdoms of this world. It's a peace that doesn't make sense a peace that is deeper than our circumstances, a peace that is truly peace. So how does Jesus give us this kind of peace and what does it even look like? Well, peace looks like Jesus because Jesus himself is our peace. And I didn't make that up. The Apostle Paul wrote to an early church that was not only divided by race and nationality and wealth and gender, but these groups were hostile to one another. And he said to them, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh, meaning by his death on the cross, the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. So how does Jesus give us peace? 
in direct opposition to the way this world gives peace. The kingdoms of this world can only bring law and order peace through the threat of force or by inflicting violence on others. Jesus became our peace by allowing the kingdoms of this world to inflict all the violence and brutality and evil they had onto him, and then he overcame it without fighting back or taking revenge. He brought peace through his death. And so for those in Christ Jesus, we have been invited into the peace and reconciliation that Jesus provided through his death and resurrection. We have been commanded to be peace makers. We bring the peace of Jesus everywhere we go. Now, being a peacemaker is different than being a peacekeeper. Most of us are peacekeepers. We keep the peace and the quiet and the order of things. We want to smooth things over and ignore problems and make nice whenever there's a conflict. That isn't a true peace. It's a false peace. Everyone's still angry and bitter and anxious and hurt internally. We're all just hiding it. A peacemaker exposes conflicts and speaks truth and steps into the fray for the sake of bringing true peace. But we always do so in the nature and the character of Christ. We do so without forcing our way or disrespecting or dishonoring others. We always do so in humility and honesty and with grace and patience because Jesus is our peace. He has called us to, as the Apostle Paul says in a different letter, as far as it depends on you, on us, live at peace with everyone. Because in Jesus' death and resurrection, he has put to death all hostility between peoples. And that includes your mother-in-law and your brother or that person who betrayed your trust or let you down or hurt you. We live at peace because Jesus is our peace. But peace is not just about external conflicts. It's also about what happens internally. The anxiety and dread and anger and disappointment that you struggle with internally. How does Jesus bring peace to that? Well, I want you to see this writing from an ancient prophet of God. He said, You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Now that phrase, perfect peace, in the original language is actually the same word twice. It's shalom, shalom. Shalom is the Hebrew word that gets translated as both perfection or wholeness and peace. The Hebrew idea of peace was when a person or a community was completely whole and united. We just talked about how Jesus brings peace to our families and our communities through the death of Jesus, but he also brings unity to our inner worlds as well. And that's really rooted in what Jesus said was the first and most important command in all the scriptures. He said it's to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. What Jesus is describing here is a person whose entire being, their heart, which is what you want and desire most, your soul, which is your inner being, your emotional world, and your mind, your thoughts and your actions, all of them are united in one purpose, which is to love God. This is a picture of shalom, wholeness, a heart, soul, mind, and strength solely focused on loving God. This is the person who is kept in perfect peace, a person who does this. 
A person whose greatest desire in life is to love and honor Jesus. A person whose inner life is centered on the love of Jesus. A person whose thought life is consumed and their actions are directed towards loving Jesus. This person is kept in perfect peace. Why? Because Jesus has actually become their peace. He is what they want most and he never fails. And I know that idea may not be what you want because what most of us want is peace and wholeness in my circumstances. I want my life and my family and my career and my finances and my social life to look and feel just like I imagine. Why can't it be like a Publix commercial? Buy our stuff and you won't ever be sad or angry and your family won't ever fight again. But that isn't reality. And as long as you are putting your heart and your wants, your desires and your soul and your mind, your thoughts and your emotions in the fantasy of a life that there's never conflict or struggle or disappointment or pain, then you will never have peace. And that's why we need the Bible. That's why we need the church. Because when we gather together and we read the Christmas story, we're reminded that even Jesus was born into a world of sorrow and struggle and brutality and violence. And in the midst of the brokenness of this world, he brought wholeness and peace. And so only when he becomes what we want most and desire most and what all of our thoughts are fixed on, only then can he become our peace. That's the invitation of Christmas. The invitation of the Christian life is not an escape from our sorrows and our struggles and the sufferings of this life. That's the invitation of Publix. The invitation of Jesus is to meet him in the midst of our anxieties and anger and suffering and struggle and conflicts. And we allow him to bring it all to peace. For only then can he truly be our peace. So this Christmas, whatever circumstance or conflict or heartbreak or anxiety you're facing, would you consider choosing not to escape from it, but instead to meet God in the midst of it? As you go throughout your day or when you bump into that person or your mind drifts to that thought, would you just pause and say, Jesus, draw me close to you and your peace. Don't run from the emotion or the thought or the conflict but choose to be a peacemaker in the name of Jesus by allowing his peace to flow through you. And here's the truth, it's not going to happen overnight. It takes practice and it may take years, which is why you need a community around you to encourage you and to practice alongside you. It's why we say here all the time that for this video to be more meaningful to you than just another piece of content you consume, it has to be a doorway into a community you can be committed to. And we would love to help you take the next step in that community where we are fully devoted to loving God by loving one another. So would you reach out by texting the words next step to the number on the screen? Someone from our team will be in touch to help you take your next step into our community. We would love to walk with you as you choose the peace of God this Christmas. So don't hesitate to reach out. But as you leave, I hope you leave knowing that there is a life of peace available to you but it's only through giving all of yourself to Jesus who gave all of himself to you. But no matter what you believe about him right now, I hope you know that he only has good in mind for you because no matter what you think about God, he can't stop thinking about you.